discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I want to welcome you to another wonderful Sunday morning service. It's a blessing to always stand before you to share the word of God with you. I count myself privileged and uh, opportuned to be able to stand and share the word of God with you. It's a great opportunity I have from the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we are grateful, we are thankful. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit who is here with us, working in us, talking through us. Thank you that your word proceeds with grace, with love, with kindness, with understanding, with joy unspeakable that is full of glory. Thank you, Father, for that precious ministry of the word and that precious ministry of your spirit that are working this morning. Thank you, Father, that our hearts and our minds are engrossed in your word. We receive your word with meekness and with faith. We mix the word that comes to us with faith and hence produce fruits on every sea of our lives, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, this morning I want to share with you concerning giving to God. Hallelujah. Giving to God. I mean, since, since um, all these... Um, Things happened um, with COVID-19 and all of that. We shared on so many beautiful things. We started off by sharing concerning um, our authority, the believer's authority. Yeah. Then we shared so much along that line and then allowed us to ask some questions and, and answer them as well. We shared on the arm of God. Then we shared on... Uh, what else did we share on? We shared on uh, marriage, the actual reason for Jesus' second coming. We shared so many things along that line. Then we shared on what to do with the first coming. We had some questions and answers again. Then we shared on the word of God. And today we are sharing concerning giving to God. Yeah. Hallelujah. I think it's been a wonderful time. Yeah. It's been a wonder, very, very wonderful time. If you've been listening, I know that your life um, has turned on a better, uh, turned in a better direction. Hallelujah. You know, and uh, giving to God. Giving to God. Hallelujah. You know, every child of God has a destiny of wealth. You know, we all have a destiny of wealth. Destiny is a journey. Okay? And the destination is the end of the journey. So God has destined all of us to walk in prosperity. Remember, destiny is a journey. God has a destination for us. The destination is that we stand perfect and pure before him without blame, in love. That's what the Bible says. Then he also mentions that we are to stand before him on that day 
you know, looking like his son. That's his destination for us. But the journey to that particular place is that of glory, that of beauty, that of riches, that of wealth. That is our destiny. And I always say to people, to God's children, that never expect anything less than what God has destined for you to have. If you read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it's a very powerful scripture. I quote it a lot because it's very, very powerful. Ephesians 2, verse 10. Let's read the Amplifier straight away. He says, For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. In other words, we have been born again for this purpose, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them. Then he says, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. So God has prepared your life ahead of time. He's prepared the journey ahead of time. And that journey, he says, the paths lead to walking in goodness. He says that we may walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. He prearranged and made ready for us to live. So there's a prearrangement concerning your life. There's a journey concerning your life. You're on a journey, and that journey is a journey of prosperity, is a journey of wealth, is a journey of joy, unspeakable, that is full of glory, is a journey of health. If you read in 3 John 2, he says, I wish above all things, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. Even as your soul prospers, it is God's utmost desire that you prosper and be in health. Third John 1, 2. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You see. So it's God's desire. It's God's destination or destiny for you and I. Every child of God has been destined by God to enjoy prosperity, to enjoy health. The salvation we talk about has to do with that. We are taken, we are saved from poverty. We are saved from sickness. We are saved from darkness into light, into prosperity and riches, into health and strength. That's what we are delivered from the devil into. So you are banned from living a life uh, without prosperity, a life of lack. No, that's not what God destined for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So every child of God was born into riches and wealth. Okay, our union with Christ automatically gives us the power to gain and create wealth. And uh, that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Look at Deuteronomy 8 from verse 18. I have so many things to share with you. So for the next few weeks before the seed sowing day, which is on 16th August, I'm going to be sharing with you along this line so that you can be encouraged and you can have some understanding with what you're going to be doing on 16th. So that when you're bringing your seed, you know exactly what you're doing. Hallelujah. He says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. This is Deuteronomy 8, 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Do you see? He says, it is the Lord that gives you power to get wealth. He gives you power to get wealth. The word power there is from the Hebrew word koak. K-O-A-C-H. Koak. And that word means physical prosperity but it's derived from two other hebrew words the first one is kela which is spelled k-e-l-l-e-h kela k-e-l-l-e-h okay and the other word is 
um, Katan, which is spelled K-A-T-H-A-N, Katan. Hallelujah. So Kela and then Katan. Katan is spelled K-A-T-H-A-N. The word Kela means bright. The word Kela is bright. And the word Katan is bridegroom or groom. Hallelujah. Now, if you've read your Bible and if you've been listening to some of the things we've been telling you, we've made you know that Christ is the groom and the church is the bride. If you read Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 24, you see it there. Let's read it. Ephesians 5 from verse 24. Therefore, as a church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Then verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Have you seen it? Go to the next verse. That he might sanctify and cleanse with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Go all the way to verse 30. Go to verse 36. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. Verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Then he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So Christ is the, is the groom and the church is the bride. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the union of the groom and the bride, the fact that we are now engaged to him, okay, is what produces the power to get wealth. So our union with him is what gives us the power to create wealth or to get wealth. The power to get wealth is embedded in the fact that we are one with Christ. Is embedded in the fact that we are now the bride of Christ. And all that he has is now ours. Praise the Lord. So as a child of God, you should know, you should be aware of the fact that you have been taken from darkness into light. You have been taken from poverty into riches, into wealth. You have been taken from sickness into health. You have been taken from sin into righteousness. These are things that you must know and establish in your heart firmly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By virtue of our union with them, we are now in wealth. We have the power to create wealth. Says, I give you the power to get wealth. I give you the power to get wealth. And we have that power. Always know that you have that power. power. Our union with them brings us into that. If you read in Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, let's look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. I have so many wonderful things to share with you. This and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels run about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands. I was trying to say billions, but you know during that time they, they didn't have millions and billions. It was it had not yet gotten to that point. Their money had not yet gotten to that point, so they didn't know millions and billions. So he said ten thousand times ten thousand. Okay, ten thousand times ten thousand is what. That's about, uh, is it a billion? Something like that. And thousands of thousands. So many. Next verse. Verse 12. Then it says, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Who is the lamb? Jesus Christ is the lamb. The lamb represents his humanity. Do you see? He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, but that is in his glory. When he came on earth, he came as a lamb to be slain. So this is what Jesus obtained as a man when he came on earth. So he says, saying with a loud voice, verse 12, 
Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power. He was slain for this purpose. He was killed for this purpose. In other words, this is what follows his death, burial, and resurrection. As Jesus died, Jesus died a real death, not a fake death. He actually died. And after he died, he received power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. For what purpose? He doesn't need the riches where he is. He doesn't need the wisdom where he is. He doesn't need the strength where he is. He doesn't need the honor and the glory and the blessing where he is. He did all that for the sake of his wife. And he's willed all that to you and I. I mean, the best thing you can study in the scriptures, one of the best things you can study as a child of God in the scriptures is about your inheritance in Christ. Wow. I was talking about a friend of mine who, whose dad died. And all of a sudden, inherited two houses, two big houses. Yeah. With lands and money. Just because of inheritance. The father passed on and he got inherited. He became rich overnight. I'm not saying go and kill your dad for his property. That's what I'm saying. But it's something that happens. It's, it's, you don't have to work. Inheritance means something you didn't work for. By virtue of someone's work, you now have something. By virtue of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, you now have riches and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. All because we are united with him. I mean, what can be better than this? What can be better than this? It is now our birthright. That is why he says, the heir, as long as he's a child, different nothing from a servant, even though he's a lot of all. You, an estate has been left for you. You have been born into wealth unspeakable. Wealth unimaginable. Wealth unthinkable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if you read in Ephesians chapter 3, let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 3, let's read from verse 6. You see it there. Says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs on the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gifts of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Verse 8. He says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let's read this in the Amplified. Verse 8. He says, To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, God's consecrated people, this grace favor privilege was granted and graciously entrusted to proclaim to the gentiles the unending boundless fathomless incalculable and exhaustless riches of christ then he says wealth which no human being could have searched out this is the world in which we have been born into wealth which no human being could have searched out exhaustless phantomless incalculable boundless riches brother you have no business being poor i tell you and it starts with you thinking as a wealthy man our minds play a major role in our christian life spirituality cannot be um spoken of without talking about the mind that's why he says that and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind without the renewal of your mind you will never appreciate what god has done you won't you won't. It's impossible to appreciate what God has done for you. You'll be living in wealth and starved to death because you have no knowledge concerning it. I mean, there are stories along those lines. There's this woman who uh, had his mother dying and leaving her an estate, but she had no knowledge of She had not gone to school. She, you know, she didn't know what was happening. And she had framed the whale on the wall. 
until someone came to see it and said, ah, is it, this is a whale. It actually shows and spells out all the things that you have. The lady was dying in poverty. She, she didn't have anything to eat, but she had money, plenty money, will to her, will to her name. But because of ignorance. So it's so important you, you start off by being conscious of the fact that you have been born into riches. You have been born into riches. We have been born into that place. We have been born into wealth. I do not lack anything. Because Christ died. Do you see? He died to receive power and riches and wisdom. Now he's not talking about... Uh, only spiritual riches. He's talking about physical riches. If you read in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 8, verse 9, let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. You understand what I'm talking about. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, but that ye through his poverty might be rich. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, now, all these references to rich and poor are references to physical poverty and physical riches. The word rich there is plutio or plutizo. And it has to do with, you know, that's where we de derive the word plut plutocrat. Someone who whose wealth cannot be calculated. Someone who is so rich that when you try to calculate his riches, by the time you start, more has come. And by the time you're going on, more has come. You can't calculate it. You, you just have to keep going and keep going and keep going. And that's what he's talking about. He says, Jesus was rich. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich. He's talking about physical riches, though, not spiritual riches only. Spiritual riches are part of our inheritance. But I'm talking today about our physical, physical wealth, material wealth. If you read the interlinear, you see the strong definition and the third definition having reference to material wealth. It's not, he's not talking about some spiritual wealth only, which we have as well. Yeah. He's talking about physical wealth, physical riches. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So start off by knowing that I've been born into wealth by virtue of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. I'm a wealthy one. I'm rich. rich. I'm not poor. I'm, not poor. I'm rich. rich. Now, it doesn't matter what you find yourself in, which circumstance you find yourself in, makes no difference. Start off by thinking like that. That I'm rich because of my identity with Christ. That is where it is hinged. Because of my identity with Christ, I am rich. Because of my identity with Christ, I am wealthy. I am not poor. I'm not someone who is poor trying to get rich. No. I am a rich man showing forth his riches. That's what, that's what you're supposed to think. I'm rich. I'm not poor. I'm rich. Why? Why are you rich? Because Christ died. Christ died for me. To take me from darkness into light. To take me from poverty into wealth. To take me from sickness into health. To take me from sin into righteousness. Jesus did all these things. Free of charge. If you believe that Jesus took you away from sin into righteousness, then believe that he took you away from poverty into wealth as well. If you believe that he took you from sin into righteousness. Then believe that he took you from disease, sickness, into strength. No matter what your physical condition is now, the only way for you to start receiving your healing and to start seeing results in your body is by believing the fact that what God has said in his word is true. I am the healed. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I am the healed getting my healing show forth. I am the rich showing forth my riches, my wealth. 
Do you understand? Your, the, your state of mind makes all the difference. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you think makes all the difference. Your mind makes all the difference. What are you thinking? You know, so motivational speakers will tell you what you think makes all the difference. There are books on that. If a, if a, if a glass has some water to the middle, how would you call it? How would you say it? If you say it is half filled, it means you have completeness in mind. You have filling in mind. But if you say it is half empty, then you have emptiness in mind. You have empty. That's how you think. You're, and it's the thinking process that makes the difference. How you think. You see, your thoughts attract. You know, I don't know if you've realized. But sometimes you can be thinking about something and it just happens. You can be even thinking about a song. You can be playing it. The song can be playing in your mind. And then someone else starts singing that song. It's so powerful. The mind is like a magnet. What you think is what is attracted to you. So if you think that you are poor, you will forever be poor. Makes no difference what level you are on now. Makes no, it's so, what I'm saying now is so important. Please, don't joke with it at all. Don't say, oh, you are giving us false hope. Nobody's giving you false hope. I'm showing you what the word of God says. It says, be renewed in your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, and be not conformed to this world. Don't think like this world is thinking. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can be transformed. You can have changes around you. Financial changes around you by virtue of what you think. If you think you are poor, you'll be poor forever. If you think you are rich, you'll be rich. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can prove the will of God for yourself. You can prove the will of God for yourself. You can prove that the word of God really works. It's all dependent on how you're thinking. So know that you have been born. We've been born into wealth. We've inherited, I mean, he says wealth which no man could have calculated. Wealth which no man could have searched out. Wow. What a blessing. What a blessing. So if I need $100,000 to do something, I'm in that wealth. What do I do? I just call for it. By faith. Do you see? And it will show up. It surely will show up. Hallelujah. So I want to use the next few um, services to try to give you a total, a complete approach to wealth, to riches, to how to walk in prosperity through giving to God. Okay? That's what I'm attempting to do. So I'll talk about work. I'll talk about so many other things. How God blesses us when we give to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But this morning, I want to start off by helping you understand what giving is. Okay? Now, if you remember, if you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, let's go back to that place. Let me show you something. There's a cluster that you need to know. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Might be rich. Now, might means... Uh, is what is a possibility is a clause do you see in other words it is there but it's up to you i don't know if you get it it depends on you hallelujah it depends on you basically that's what he's trying to say he became poor so that you through his poverty you through his poverty might be rich through his poverty through his death because his poverty was in him coming down here being incarnated into a baby god becoming a baby Going through this life, living and dying, 
going to hell and all that for your behalf so that you might be rich now if you believe it and if you trust it he says you might be rich through his poverty through the knowledge of what happened to him and you taking advantage of that knowledge you might be rich hallelujah so what do you do? What, what is that cause? Because certainly it's not every Christian who is wealthy. All Christians have a destiny of wealth. We have all been born to walk and live the good life. How come not all Christians are living the good life? I don't know if you want to know the answer. Yeah, We've all been born to live in health. How come some Christians are sick? It's because of ignorance. And it's because they don't know how to receive answers to their prayers. They don't know how to receive from God. Do you see? They don't know how to receive from God. After they've prayed, what do you do after you've prayed? Yeah. On countless occasions, Jesus told the people, your faith has made you whole. Yeah. He didn't say my faith has made you whole. He told them your faith has made you whole. So you, your faith counts. Your faith is what helps you to receive from God. To receive what God has given to you in, through his word. So a lot of times people know how to pray, but they don't know how to receive from God. They don't have to receive answers to their prayers. After you have prayed, when you ask for some prayer, is asking or communicating with somebody. After you have spoken, you must allow the other person to speak to you, get feedback, so that you know what to do. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, as simple as that. It's not in the praying. No, it's not in the praying. After you have prayed, you must receive answers to your prayer through faith. I believe that what I prayed for. I don't know, Reverend George was even mentioning it yeah. on, on Sunday, if you watched it. Do you see? He says, if I don't have faith for it, I will not pray. I will go through the scriptures, get myself stirred up in faith, and then ask. And I know. When I ask, I receive. That's what the Bible says. That Mark chapter 11 verse 24 says it. Let's look at it. Mark eleven 24. I'm just taking a little detour. I'll come back. It says, therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire. What things soever ye desire. Can this be true? It's either the word of God is true or not true. It's either Jesus was talking, saying, was, was lying or was telling the truth. For the last two weeks, I've been asking myself, I've been thinking about the truthfulness of God's word. Can God's word be dependent on? Is what God's saying true? You, see, you must get to that place where you, you know for yourself that what God has said is true. God is faithful to his word. What he says is true, is true. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, can this be true? Whatever you desire, can this be true? Is it true? Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. The truth is talking. He says, what things soever he desire. When you pray, he knows you are going to pray. So he says, when you pray, on that day that you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. On the same day you, you pray, believe that you receive your desire, and you shall have your desire. So there's a day when you receive answers to your prayer, and there's a day when you see it show forth physically. Receiving them and having them are two different things altogether. You receive it on a certain day. It becomes yours. That's what faith is all about. There's a day where you receive your healing, even though you may not see any physical change in your body. There's a day where you settle in your heart that you are rich. Makes no difference what physical evidence you have. Makes no difference. Even if there's hundred, just one city in your pocket or one dollar in your pocket or a pound in your pocket. Makes no difference what is in your account. You know. That you know that you know that you are rich. You, ha you have received revelation. You have received knowledge concerning the fact of God's word. That I'm not poor. I'm the seed of Abraham for crying out loud. I'm the seed of Abraham. Abraham was not poor. 
Abraham was promised riches. He says that your children will be kings. Kings are not poor. No matter what. A king is not supposed to be poor. A king is different from a chief, remember. (laughs) There are some poor chiefs I've, I've seen around. We are kings. We are not beggars. We are kings. It makes no difference what your physical manifestation or circumstance is. It makes no difference. You must know that you know that you know. You must know that you know that you know that I'm rich. And that's what I'm bringing to you, your mind this morning. I'm rich. Now, he's showing you how he says that so that you might be rich. He became poor so that you might be rich. Now, what do you do to help you walk in constant riches? What do you do to have the riches show forth physically? I'll show you the first part. Establish the fact that you are a child of God and the fact that you have been born into wealth and the fact that you live in wealth. You live in riches. Settle it in your mind. Don't let anyone or anything deceive you. Settle it in your heart. Settle it in your heart. Okay? So the way to precipitating wealth is by giving. Amazingly. <laughs> the way to walk in wealth is by giving. The way to walking in the reality, physical manifestation of your wealth, of your, of your wealth, that, the wealth that you have in Christ, is by giving. That clause that you might be rich is dependent on your giving. And your understanding concerning giving. So important. Just as faith is required in every other thing of your life, giving is also required when it comes to wealth and certain things in your life, in your walk with God. Okay? Praise the Lord. Hmm. What do you do to see the manifestation of your birthright and covenant right in Christ? Give. 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 So the question is, what is giving? What is it? (laughs) I don't know if you want to know. What is this thing called giving? What does it do? What does it mean? You know, when you give your money, of course, giving has to do with releasing cash, releasing property, releasing something that is of value to God, to his work to his ministry. Giving what you have to the Lord, basically. That's what it means. Okay? But what, what, does it, what does it manifest? What does it show concerning you? Or what does it mean to God? Scripturally speaking, what does it mean? When you do that, when you do that, what does it show? What, does it, what, does, what is the manifestation that it brings to you? Or what is the knowledge that it communicates concerning you? What does it show about you to God and to others. I don't know if you get it. So the first thing is that giving is something well-pleasing to God. So if you are a giver, you are, you are showing that you are well-pleasing to God. Because giving is well-pleasing to God. There are two things that are pleasing to God. The first one is faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. I don't know if you've read that scripture for yourself. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, isn't it? Let's read it. Hebrews eleven six. 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Faith is important. Without faith, you can't please God. 
Hallelujah. The Bible says that the carnal mind is enmity against God and cannot please God. Do you see? So a mind of faith or walking in faith, okay, helps you to please God. God is pleased with you when you walk and live in faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The other thing that God is excited about or that gets God pleased about you is your giving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 4 verse 16. Philippians 4.16, it says, For even in Thessalonica, ye send once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire gifts, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Verse 18. But I have all, and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an order of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Wow. He says their giving was well-pleasing to God. Wasn't just pleasing, it was well pleasing. Faith pleases God. But then giving causes you to be well pleasing to God. So when you give, you become well pleasing to God. The Bible says God enjoys a cheerful giver whose heart is in his giving. God loves. There are different kinds of love. There are different levels of love that are expressed in the, in the scriptures. The first level is God's love for all of humanity. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, that is why he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. That's what it says. For God so loved the world, that is his love towards the whole world. Which is different from his love towards his children. So in 1 John 3, 1, he says that, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. The manner of love is different for his children as compared to the world. First John 3 1. Behold, what manner of love, what type of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because he knew him not. What manner of love the Father has so lavished on us? His love for his children is different from his love for the world. We are not on the same level. God has powerful love, great love towards the world, but his love towards his children is extraordinary. It's a different level altogether. But out of his children, those who are interested in his agenda, and are interested in what he's interested in, and sponsor what he sponsors, or what he's interested in, are also another level of love altogether. So, if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, let's read this in the Amplified. He says that, let each one give as he has made his own mind, and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly, or sorrowfully, or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do its giver whose heart is in his giving. So you become well-pleasing to God. It's on another level. And his love for you is different from his love for the other person. That's the truth. That's the truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's like having, you know, two sons and one is very interested in what you're doing. You naturally have some kind of affection for him. You love the other one. It's not a problem. But this one who is always with you and ready to help do whatever he can to make what you are doing, your agenda come to pass, is always there with you. I mean, my mother used to say the child that is closest to the mother is the one who, the, the chick that is closest to his mother, the mother, is a hen or whatever, is the one who gets the tie of the grasshopper. It's a proverb around. That's how we see it in, in, in tree. Hallelujah. The one that is closest to the mother is the one who gets the tie of the grasshopper. Yeah. It's not because of any... It's, that's just how it is. 
if you're a giver, your giving makes you well pleasing to God. And his love for you is different. So your giving is an expression of how pleasing you are to God. Wow. I don't know if you like what I'm saying to you right now. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 to 16, says a similar thing. Hebrews 13, 15. It says, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. He says, but to do good and to communicate or to give. Let's read the Amplified of that. Do not forget or neglect to do kindness and good. To be generous and distribute and contribute to the needy of the church as embodiment and proof of fellowship. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. They are pleasing. You're giving. There are different levels of giving. I'm going to talk about it. Your giving is well-pleasing to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So depending on what you give and how much you give to the Lord is a show of whether you are pleasing to God or not. Of whether you are loved by God. Is God is unwilling to do without? Is God unwilling to do without you? Or God can do without you? Can God? He says God is not willing to do without a cheerful giver whose heart is in his giving. Prompt to do its giver. Whose artisan is giving? He's unwilling to abandon. Wow. He's unwilling to abandon. Like when the devil is planning something about you, he's unwilling to abandon you because he knows that you are a giver. Yeah. When Hezekiah was told by Isaiah that he was going to die, he turned his face to the wall and said, Lord, you know what I've done for you? I've done this. I've done that. I've done this. I've done that. I've made your house work. I've done this for you. Whilst Isaiah was in the, in the middle of his hall going, God spoke to him and, go, and told him, go back to Hezekiah and go and tell him that I've given him 15 years more. Why? Because I can't do without him in the next 15 years. I just realized I can't do without him in the next 15 years. He should be there. That's in Second Kings chapter 20. You see it there. Hallelujah. He started to, let's read it. I think it's nice. Second Kings chapter 20 from verse 5. Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, thy father. I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day, thou shalt not go up unto the house of the Lord. Go, go to the place where Hezekiah was talking about the things, all the things that he has done for the Lord. Probably to start from verse 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus says the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Even those who, who are who are on that level, are told by God when they are going to die. They know it. They don't just die like chickens. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept so. Next verse. And it came to pass, afore Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Go back and go and talk to him. Have you seen it? it? says, I have done some things. So if you check Hezekiah's life, you see what he did for the Lord. Yeah. You see how he took all the idols out of the temple of God, polished the temple of God, and made it look nice. Brought gold into the temple. Did so many things in the house of God. Check his life. Check his life. God is unwilling to do without. You become well-pleasing to God. That's what you're giving. That's for you. That's what it means to give. When you give, you become well-pleasing to God. Wow. I don't know about you, but I want to be well pleasing to God. I'm not trying to coerce you to do something. I'm just telling you what the scriptures say. 
As simple as that. Your giving becomes a memorial before God. You are so well pleasing to God that whatever you give, your giving, your consistent, constant giving becomes a memorial before God. Acts chapter 10, let's read from verse 1. Cornelius was a giver. He was giving. He was praying and he was giving. You know, I preached a message called the prosperity of fools. You can't give to God and be living anyhow and expect your prosperity to show. But it doesn't work like that. Remember what Ezekiah said. He says, I have lived for you and I have done these things for you. So it work, the two work. You can't do whatever you want. You can't live your, your own way and give and think that that is going to compensate for your foolishness. No, it doesn't work like that. That's the prosperity of fools. God doesn't like that. He doesn't like that. He wants you to walk in righteousness and walk in wealth as well. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the, of the band called the Italian band. A devout man, or a righteous man, a devoted man to God. And one that feared God with all of all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Have you seen the combination? He says, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Verse, verse 3. He saw in a vision evidently about, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms or your giving are come up for a memorial before God. It is well pleasing to God. It is there. It is a memorial. It's like a, it's like a bust before God. God is always seeing it. Ah, Cornelius is well pleasing to me. He's well pleasing to me. He says, Your prayers and your alms are come up. The two work together. You can't, you can't do one and leave the other. No. Your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to be well pleasing to God through my giving. Hallelujah. Then number two, your giving is an expression of your righteousness. So giving is righteousness. It's an expression of your righteousness and hence giving is righteousness. Hallelujah. How do, you know, how do we know that this guy is righteous? Is it only by his, his life? But not only his life, but his giving as well. You'd be surprised that these things are in the Bible. Second Corinthians chapter 9, from verse 8. It would be good if we just read the Amplified. Let's just read the Amplified because of, the, because of time. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing, come to you in abundance. So that you may always and under all circumstance, circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. This is after he had given. He says, after he give, this is what will happen to you. Verse 9. As it is written, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad or the giver scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. Let's read the King James of this. You see righteousness written there. It says, as is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Wow. So your giving is an expression of your righteousness. Look at the next verse. Verse 10. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food. And multiply your seed soon and increase the fruits of your righteousness. How does it increase the fruit of your righteousness? Because of your giving. As you give, your righteousness is expressed some more. 
So giving is an expression of your righteousness. It's a manifestation of the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then you believe in his agenda. God's agenda is his righteousness. Righteousness is the fact that God is unable to sit to watch man go to destruction. And hence sends his son to come and die for humanity. To claim humanity for himself. That is the righteousness of God. If you sponsor that, if you sponsor that message, it's an expression of the fact that you are righteous. And hence your fruit, the fruit of your righteousness, keeps going forth more and more. Look at the Amplified of this. Verse 10. And God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruit of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. The more you, the more you give, the, the, more you, the more you express the goodness of God, the kindness of God. Yes, you express the nature of God. You express the love of God. You show forth the fact that that is at work in you. God is at work in you. Yeah, that's what it means. So giving is righteousness. It's an expression of your righteousness. Wow. Wow. So you can't just say I'm the righteousness of God and not give. No, it's just a problem. The fruit will not show. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have to learn to sponsor God. Sponsor his work. Sponsor his work. That is a show that you believe. Yeah. You believe in what he has done. You believe in his righteousness and that you are his righteousness. You are the one through whom he brings his kindness. Through you, kindness comes to others. Through you, goodness comes to others. Through you, the power of God can be expressed to others. Someone, one president somewhere did something. And it's not just one. I've, I've seen some other people doing that. They got some children together. This president got some children together and told the children, pray to God for toffee, for candy. And the children prayed, Lord, give us candy. And nothing came. Then the president said, pray to me for candy. And he said, Mr. President, we pray you give us candy. And he took candy and gave it to them. Then he said, is God real? Then the children said, God is not real. Because when we asked for candy, he couldn't give it to us. Now how would God give candy to the children? It's going to be through a human being. So when you give you are an expression of the fact that God exists and that God is alive. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. Basically, that's what I'm saying. If God says there's going to be a building here, it's not going to just show forth from the skies. No. God will need men to sponsor for what he wants to show forth. That's what it means. That's what happens. So the more you give, the more you express the righteousness of God, the more your fruit of righteousness increases. The more you, you show the goodness of God in the earth, how are those three children going to be taken care of? They're not going to be taken care of by anybody. We have to take care of them. That the house of God must take care of them. How are the poor? Jesus said, the poor shall always have in, your, have in your midst. How can we take care of them? He says, your giving is well pleasing to God. Your giving is an expression of your righteousness, of the righteousness of God. The fact that the righteousness of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God is working inside you. So don't hoard. Don't. It's not good. It's not a good thing at all. When the church is... Is denied ability to accomplish things because those who could give withheld their hand. No. There's a story of a certain man who was in a certain church who was part of the building committee because he had money. Everybody knew he had money. He, he knew he had money. Everybody in the church knew he had money. The pastor knew he had money. So because of help, to help the church build, to be built, they put him on the 
committee, the building committee, and we're discussing building a church building because where they were had become small. They wanted to build something bigger. So they were talking with the man in mind because they knew that he had money. And the man decided that he was not going to allow the house of God to be built because he was also building his house at that same time. So he intentionally said that this church building, we won't build it. Wow. You know, he's the one who had the money. He has the money. He can single-handedly build it. And everybody knows. He knows. The pastor knows. And he said, no, we will not build. Why? Because he is building his own. Guess what? He built his house. On the day that he was going to commission the house, he called the pastor, everybody to come and come and cut the sword. And he had twins, two daughters, his only daughters, decided that they were going to go across the road and get something and come back. When they crossed the road, that was the end of their lives. A car just, an 18 wheeler. Do you know an 18 wheeler? A car with 18 wheels just carried them off their feet, just like that, and killed all of them. And whilst he was crying on the road, holding his children, trying to pick their piece, their body parts together, he heard God talk to him. You said you will not build my house. Is this what you wanted? Because he opened himself up for the devil to do whatever he wants to do with him. Why would you deny? Why won't you show forth my righteousness? You want your house to be built. How about mine? Amazing. I'm not saying something like this is going to happen to you. But I'm just telling you, you know, this story to help you think appropriately. To help you think well. Do you see? People build houses and do all kinds of things for foolish people to come and inherit after they are gone. Man's life is not much. The Bible says, Jesus said that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. No, it, it, it doesn't work like it, it, Your life is not represented in the abundance of the things you possess. I have this house, I have this house, I have this car, I have that. How many cars can you, can you drive in? How many houses can you sleep in? I mean, what are you going to do with all those things? When it's time to give to God... Always know, I'm going to talk about the importance of God. How do you, your value of God? Because you are given to God. How do you value God? How do you see God? What is your value? What is your estimation of God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He had God talk to him. He had God talk. So he stopped crying. He knew. Yes, he stopped crying. He knew what he had done. And how he had gotten to this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your giving is righteousness. It expresses the righteousness of God in the earth. <laughs> you know, Solomon built God a magnificent house. Beautiful house. God entered that building the day he was commissioned. Many people had solutions to their problems in that place. Even people praying from afar, just turning towards the temple, had results had solutions. Daniel was praying. Many, many, many years after that, that building was commissioned, Daniel was praying in Babylon. Opened his window towards Jerusalem. Praying towards Jerusalem. And he had answers. You see. So, David wanted to build God a house. And God built him a house. Can you imagine? So whatever you decide to do for God, God will do for you. If you decide to give to God, he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. God will give to you. It's amazing. So don't, don't be 
don't be a Christian. There are Christians who are like that. And that's what is responsible for their poverty. And they have no idea. That one and criticize the men of God. When you criticize men of God, you are denying yourself. You are putting yourself into leprosy. Reducing whatever you have. When you talk against men of God, that's what happens to you. Your destiny is reduced. Your journey, okay, the prosperity you could have had on your journey as a Christian is reduced. It's cut short. Because that's what happened. You are going against the government of God. And not, he can't do anything about it. You are destroying your own self. So never talk about men of God. No matter who he is, whether you think he's a man of God or not, leave them be. Concern yourself. If you think it's fake, what are you doing to make the body of Christ work? The Bible says we should pray for men of God. Pray for them. You have no idea the troubles that men of God go through. Pray for them. Do you see? So don't cut your life short by criticizing what you don't understand. Don't. After you've done that, give. Give. Give your way up. Give your way up. Keep giving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The next one is that giving is light. Okay? Giving is an expression of how great your light is or your darkness is. The more you give, the higher your light, the light you walk in. Okay, the word of God is light, right? The more you give, the more access you have to the word. And the more light you have, the more revelation of God's word that comes to you. Amazingly. I'm not the one saying these things. These things are in the Bible. Matthew 6, 19. He says, lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth. I mean, who does that? Who, who, why should he say this? It's like, don't, don't do anything here on earth. That's, what, that's basically what he's saying. Oh. Message version. Let's read the message version. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moth and corroded by rust or waste. Stolen by burglars. He says, don't keep money. Don't hoard treasure. You have watches that are worth $5,000. Five of them. Or you have three phones. Three iPhones. You receive calls from your beloved on one. You receive calls from your parents on one. And you receive calls from your friends on the other. And each one of them is worth 4,000 Ghana cities. Or a thousand dollars. And then it's like you have some. It says, don't hold treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by beggars. Go back to the King James. Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon it where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasure, treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So there's a place called heaven where you can store your treasure. In other words, your money here, your physical money here, your physical treasure here, can be turned into treasure in heaven. That is the only thing, apart from souls, that cross the boundary of death. The only thing that crosses the boundary of death, apart from souls, and your work for the Lord, is your money, your treasure. Can you imagine? Let me show you a scripture. First Timothy from chapter 6. Let's read from verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world. He says, talk to them. Give them a military charge. Those who are rich in this world. Are you rich in this world? He's talking to you and I. He's actually talking to you and I. I thought you agreed that you were wealthy. So why is it that you are shaking your head when it comes to this? You are the one he's talking to. See, I'm the one he's talking to. He says, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, 
nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That's the blessings of the Lord. The blessings of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. The blessings of God makes you rich. That's the, when we say God bless you, that's what we mean. Riches that adds no sorrow. So whenever someone says, God bless you, what is he saying? Riches that adds no sorrow. Money that comes not, does not come with sorrow. Money that you don't have to do something strange for. Do you understand? You don't have to kill anybody for. You don't have to dupe anybody for. You don't have to swindle anybody for. Money that comes in the right way. He's adding more to you. Riches that adds without sorrow. Hallelujah. He says, God, he says they should trust in God. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy? He gives you richly to enjoy. Next verse, verse 18. I will never be poor in my life. I will have riches and I will enjoy those riches. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then it says that they do good. That's what I want you to see. It says charge them that they don't trust in uncertain riches, but trust in God who gives us riches to enjoy. Then it says, and that they do good. Charge them that they do good. That they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Let's read the Amplified of this. I think it will help us. Charge them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be liberal and generous of heart, ready to share with others. They should be, gen- they should be generous of heart, ready to share with others. Next verse. In this way, this is the Amplified. It says, in this way, laying up for themselves the riches that endure forever. As a good foundation for the future, so that they may grasp that which is life indeed. Oh, I don't know if you if you are catching it. Let's read the let's read the King James, please. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. You can your money can lay a good foundation for you. Your money can lay a good foundation for you in the life that is to come. Can you imagine? That's why it says, lay up treasure for yourself in heaven rather than on earth. We shouldn't be getting into, I have a hundred million dollars. I'm worth a hundred million dollars. I mean, that is smaller than the riches that are in Christ. Yeah. One man of God, Bishop Hilipo, was told to be worth a hundred million dollars. He was so angry. He said, what, what do you mean? I'm worth more than that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worth more than that. Why? Because I'm a child of God. Yeah. And I have riches that are incalculable and unfathomable. What do you mean by a hundred million dollars? What, what are I talking about? He was so angry. <laughs> because he understands who he is in Christ. Hallelujah. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Your money, your money today can be converted into wealth in heaven. You know, there's a heavenly account. I read it to you, Philippians chapter 4. Let's read from verse 17. Philippians 4 from verse 17. It says, Not because I desire gifts. Let's read from verse 16. It makes more sense. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessities. They were given to him. Once and again. They didn't do it once. We're doing it over and over. Maybe you've given already, but you're going to give again. Yeah, yeah. Start, start propping yourself. All those of us who have given, we are all going to give again. Yeah. Next verse. Verse 17. Not because I desire gifts, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Your account. Which account is that? There's a heavenly account. Can you imagine? That it's not just on earth you can have an account. There's an, there's an account in heaven as well for you. Next verse, verse 18. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, and out of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He says, I desire, go back to verse 17, it's nice. 
Not because I desire it, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Amplified. Amplified of verse 17. Not that I seek and I seek or I'm eager for your gift, but I do seek and I'm eager for the fruit, which increases to your credit, the harvest of blessing that is accumulated to your account. You can credit things to your heavenly account by your giving here on earth. Because it's don't lay up treasure for yourself on earth. But lay up treasure for yourself. Put money into your heavenly account. In that place where no moth can corrupt. No thief can enter. Continue. Let's go back to that place. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. We're, we're in verse 20 now. Yeah. But lay up for yourself treasure in, treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through nor steal. Next verse. For where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. So you're giving. Where, where you spend most money, where you spend money the most, is a demonstration of where your, your heart truly is. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you spend money on a girl, on a lady, a lot, it shows you that that is where your heart is. Not with, it's actually not with God. That lady is higher than God. If you spend a lot of money on a phone, on tablets, on whatever, it's a, on data, it's a show of where your heart really is. Your heart is not with God. You know, when you go down, he talks about the fact that you cannot serve God and serve my one at the same time. Your treasure, where your money is, shows where your heart is. Can you imagine? Do you believe the word of God? He's telling you. So if you check how much I've given to the house of God, okay, and it's up to 10,000, and you check how much data you have bought since you got a phone, and it is 40,000, you should know that there's a problem. It's a, there's a problem. That is why I don't get certain things myself until I've given for it. Yeah. When I give for that thing, then I, get, I make attempts to get it for myself. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I give for whatever it is that I want. If I'm going to get a car, I would like to give something that is around the figure that the car costs, the cost of the, fig, of the car. I would like to give that first so that my treasure can be with God before I go and get a car. If I'm trying to get a house, I'll try my best to give as much as that to God before I make attempts to get a house myself. Yeah. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Someone is saying, hey, so it means that you're going to be giving all our money to God. <laughs> Remember, David was giving to God, was building God a house. God said, I'll build you a house. Yeah. Next verse, verse 22. Let's continue. It says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Next verse. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which is the God of money. So it means that all the discussion he has had has to do with money. All has to do with money. Now, what we read in verse 22 and 23, go back to 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. What, this is a proverb. It's called the Hebraism. Okay, it's a proverb in, uh, in, among the Hebrews. And it has to do with being generous. It has to do with generosity. So what we say, it's like someone saying he, he has kicked the bucket. Which bucket is that? 
Instead of saying he's dead, they say, oh, he's kicked the bucket. How does kicking the bucket have anything to do with death? It's like two different things altogether. But that's what it means. It's a Hebraism. That's a, it's a proverb. Do you understand? So this one, he's talking about light. He's talking about the body. He's talking about darkness and all of that. How does it have to do with money? In Hebrew, it has to do, it's a reference to generosity or stinginess. So he says that the light of the body is the eye. Okay? If therefore thine eye be single, that means if you are generous, your whole body shall be full of light. In other words, your generosity is what brings you light to walk in. You see, depending on the intensity of light you have as a child of God, in terms of the word, okay, your life can either be upwards or downwards. For instance, if it is dark, you can't walk. If you, you can't walk in darkness when there's no light. It's not going to work. Yeah. You just said that whosoever has me has the light of life and shall not walk in darkness. Isn't it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he's saying that giving brings you light, brings you more light. The more you give, the more light, the higher the intensity of the light that you're walking, the light of God's work that you're walking, the higher your fruitfulness, the more your access to understanding the word of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Then he says, if you are stingy, go to the next verse. But if thine eye be evil, he's talking about a stingy person. He says, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee, can you imagine? He says, if the light that is in thee is darkness. What does he mean? He's talking about the revelation, because the revelation of God's word is always light. That's why he refers to it as light. He says, if the light that is in thee, if the revelation that is in thee is low in intensity, how great is that darkness? In other words, the more you give, the higher the revelation of God's word. Some people say, well, I don't understand this. I've given for understanding. The more I give, the more I understand the word of God. Sometimes you don't, you don't know how come this person understands all these things. It's because they are givers. They give. They release money. They have access to certain revelations that other people do not have access to. For instance, Abraham gave to God. When he, he, you say, how, how could Abraham tell that the three people there were angels and one, of, one was God? How could he tell? What was the mystery behind that? How did he know that that was God? He had light. He could tell that that was God. His wife couldn't tell, but he could tell. And he invited them over to have a meal. And God sent the two angels to go into Sodom and Gomorrah. That's in Genesis chapter 18. You see it there. To go and talk to, to go and find out about Sodom and Gomorrah. And he spoke to God. Had a bargain concerning the life of Sodom and Gomorrah with God. Stood before God. What Lot was told to, to not look, turn and not look at, he was looking at. Abraham was, was standing with God looking at Sodom and Gomorrah up in flames. But Lot was told not to look back. When his wife turned back, she turned into a pillar of salt. But Abraham was looking all the while. The rules that govern those who are givers are, is different from the rules that govern those who are not. That's the truth. That's the truth of God's word. They walk in a higher revelation of God's word. Where they are not the same. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You can read it for yourself. Genesis 18 and 19. Because of time. We don't have much time. The next one is giving is love. Giving is love. Okay? You prove, you give your best to prove the sincerity of your love. Giving proves the sincerity of your love. So giving is an expression of your love. I just spoke about Abraham. Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 22 from verse 1. We see Abraham, God saying some things to Abraham. Genesis 22 from verse 1. Do you love God? Yeah. 
show it. They say, if you love me, show it by your, your actions, right? By your deeds. Action speaks louder than words. So you can't say you love the lady and not do anything. If you love the lady, some things will happen. Some data will flow. Naturally, not a bargain. Not, uh, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. No, that is not love. If they say, do this for me before I do this for you, that's butter treat. No, if you love her, you do things without thinking twice. I mean, depending on what you give, you'll be excited. There's no sacrifice in love. Do you see? It's not a sacrifice. You will do some things without thinking. Yeah, remember you were talking about it the last time. Love makes you think differently. <laughs> if you are really in love with God, you will do certain things without thinking twice about it. Brother, people have given things. People have given their houses, given their homes without knowing where they were going to sleep, but they gave them. When they were coming to church, they just locked their doors and came to church to come and sit in church. While the pastor was preaching concerning giving, they had revelation that, no, I love God. I have to do something more than I have done all this while. And they gave their keys to their house without knowing where they were going to sleep. That is what happens when you're in love. When you're in love, you give the lady the iPhone and go and eat Gary in the house. You go and use yam whilst your beloved is using because you are in love. You are in love. You are not bothered about it. As she's using, you are happy. As she's using, you see her using, it. Ah, it's nice. So, wow. You enjoy it because you are in love. So, giving is a proof of your sincerity, the sincerity of your love. You say you love God, prove it by how much you can give to God. Stop giving chicken meals to God, chicken, chicken feed to God. We said we are doing CISO in conference. What you have planned is to give five cities. Shame on you. Shame on you. That is what you've planned to give. That is what you, with all the things you could gather for your beloved God. It was five cities. Why? You see, you don't think much about him. You don't think much about him. That's basically what it means. You don't think much about him. You don't care. You can gather, can pull rich. Let your mother die or your father die, and you'll be surprised at the resources you put together to bury your father or your mother. How about God? Can you pull resources together to give something substantial to God? Something that you sit there and say, Hey, I love God, Papa. Look at what I've been able to give to God. You are proud of yourself after you have given. Yeah, you are proud of yourself. After you give, you know that ah, something virtue has left me. David said, I will not give anything that will not cost me to God. Someone was dashing him and land to build the house of God. And he said, no, I'm going to pay for it. And I'm going to pay huge money for it. There are some things you shouldn't accept to be dashed to you. You should pay for it. <laughs> he said, I want to pay for it. Because I will not give anything that will not cost me to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Genesis 22 from verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. Verse 22. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. Whom thou lovest. And get thee into the land of Moriah. And offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Bring your son whom you love. Your only son whom you love. God knew that he loved the son. He says, Bring that one that you love. Don't bring Sarah or bring somebody or one of your slaves bring the one that you love your only son whom thou lovest god made a request god is interested in what you like what your heart is close to to check the sincerity of your love so sometimes when you're talking like this you, see, you hear god talk to you 
It's not the devil. God is talking to you. God will start talking to you. Give that money. He starts hitting you. Give, give that one. Sell this one. Give this one. Yeah? Unless, maybe you are not interested in going, you, you see, some people are not interested in going higher. You are interested in, in being on that level, that's 100 Ghana cities level, or 1,000 cities level. You have, you've been on $1,000 level for a long time. You've been there. You've hovering there, plateaued like that, and you are not ready to go forward. If you want to go forward, you have to give higher than you gave the last time. Beat your record and say, ha, I beat my record. I beat what I did the last time. I ex- it's, an ex- it's a show of the expression of your love. God told him, bring your only son whom you love and let me eat him. I like that one. Next verse. Verse 3. Genesis 22. Verse 3. He didn't ask questions. So Abraham did not discuss it with anybody. He didn't discuss with his wife nothing. He just woke up in the morning. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and sat his ass. And took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, and cleared the wood for the burnt offering. And rose up and went up, went on to the place of which God had told him. He, early in the morning, he woke up and started moving. Yeah, he didn't think about what he loved the most in the whole world. God was requesting for it. You see, there are, there are levels of giving. Okay? Four levels, actually. Giving to God. Okay. Given to his servants, given to your parents, and given to the poor. These are the four levels of giving. And it is in order of priority. God is first. His servants are second. Your parents are third. The poor, both in the house of God and outside the house of God, are fourth. The poor is not first. God first. Don't say I have to give my Offering to the poor, the tie to the poor. No, God first. You understand? Yeah. Hmm. And in giving to God, that's what we are discussing. We are giving. This, the title of the message is giving to God, right? Yeah. In giving to God, how do you give to God? You give to God through your tithes and through your offerings. That's how you give to God. In the offerings, there's a free will offering that you give on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night. It's your free will offering. Nobody tells you what to give. You decide that I want to give 100 cities every single service. I want to give 20 cities every single service. And it is good you, you put a cap on it by your faith that I want to be giving 20 cities every time. Then with time you increase it to 50 cities. Then with time you increase it. I know someone whose offerings in a month is 1,500 cities. Offering his free will offering to God is 1,500 cities every month. Every month he packages and brings it to us. Like that, 1,500 cities as his offering. Okay? He didn't start like that. He started with one city years ago, but he's increasing his faith over the period. Now he can give 1,500 without thinking twice. That's not his tithe. That is his free will offering. But out of the offerings, there is the offering that God instructs you and demands for. There's offering that God specifically talks about. I want this, and I want that, and I want that. If you are spiritual, you know when God is telling you, give me this. God always points to what he likes from you. He doesn't tell you. When it comes to that aspect, like I said, the offerings are in two. There's a free will offering and there's the one that God leads you or you are instructed by God to give. And that's what I'm talking about. That's what the seed sowing conference is all about. God tells you what to give to him. You don't decide what to give to him. He tells you what to do. Hallelujah. And if you follow his word, he follows his, his voice for your life, you'll be surprised at what will happen to you. In this case, he told Abraham, this is what I want. You see, Abraham had nothing to do with it. 
Abraham had not, God told him, bring me your son. Your only son whom you love. And he woke up early in the morning and started moving. Yeah. It's a proof and a show of the sincerity of your love towards God. And God shows his own love as well. God shows us how much he cares about us and loves us by giving his only begotten son. Only begotten son. When Abraham did this, God said, oh, I can also do what I'm supposed to do. Because he gave him his only begotten son. And God also could give his only begotten son. Whatever God did in the New Testament, he had a demonstration of it in the old. And this was a demonstration of God giving his only son to humanity. Demonstrated through Abraham. And giving his son Isaac. Greater love has no man than this. Than a man who laid down his life for his friends. Who did that? The love between David and Jonathan. Jonathan loved David so. The Bible says Jonathan loved David as much as his own soul. He loved him as much as he loved himself. If you got a cloth, he'll give him a cloth. If you got a shoe, he'll give him a shoe. If you got a new car, he'll give him a new car. Can you imagine? That was how Jonathan was in love with David to the point that he sacrificed his life. Yes. When David was mourning Jonathan, he said that Jonathan's love was better than the, the love of women. Yeah. Their love was to another level altogether. Wow. So, it's an expression of your love. If you are going to give God two cities, it shows how much you love God. Please, there's no, don't argue about it. Don't say, oh, it's uh, what our money. It shows that you don't have revelation. Those who have God hear the word of God. Those who are not of God do not hear the word of God. You see, there's a... There's, uh, there are things, there are spiritual things that are understood spiritually. Okay? If you read in 1 Corinthians 2 14, it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. You see these things that we are talking about? A natural man cannot understand it. It's not possible. Why should I give my money to God? Jesus said, The one who is from God hears the word of God. If you are from God, you hear the word of God. You hear what God tells you. you res- and you respond adequately. But the natural man receives not things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Why should I give my money to God? It's foolishness. Why should I give my best to God? Why should I give the, what I love? The pastor, that's what you think. The pastor is going to spend it. The pastor is not going to. We'll show you some videos concerning the things that we use your money for. Nobody's going to spend it. Nobody's spending your money. We are also giving. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's so much. I have about three more points, but then my time is up. You know, so giving is the expression of your love, the sincerity of your love. Do you love God? Yeah. Start preparing now. If you've not been preparing, start preparing. Start talking to God. God, what do you want me to give? What is your demand? That's the type of offering you're coming to give to God. The one that is demanded by God. God demands it. I remember years ago, my wife and I were saving to buy a land. We are saved and saved and saved and saved and got to the point. See, so in conference was coming like this. God spoke to us. I thought I was the only one who God had spoken to. I didn't know how to tell my wife. Then I told her anyway, God is saying to me that we should give the money that we have saved. She said me to God, I said it to me. Let's give it. That's the benefit of having a spiritual woman by you. The person will not fight you on giving. Yeah. Some people marry and that's the end of their giving life. It's finished. They do calculation. And if we give this, what are we going to do about this? We, we know. We know about life and the demands of life. But if you know that your money does not finish, if you know that you are like the ocean, what would you do when someone comes to, with a tanker to come and take some of the ocean away? 
Will the ocean chase the tanker? What for? I am the ocean. Rain, you see, the ocean is full, but rain keeps falling on it. It is the most, it is the place where it rains most. It rains most in the sea than it does on the land. Why should it rain in the sea that there's so much water? Because the ones who are, are conscious of abundance will always have abundance coming to them. If you're conscious of abundance, you always have abundance coming to you. So giving, releasing some money is not a problem. Like, yeah, I release 100,000 citizens, so what? It's not too much. What is too much to give to God? What is too much to, if you understand that you are like the ocean? What is too much to give to God? What is it? You say we can't live, we give this, because we give this, we can't eat for the next three days. What are you talking about? Who told you? Where is God? Why would you go hungry? You will never go hungry. You will never go hungry. God will feed you. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, get ready. Get ready. Start talking to God. You know, I shared a message along this line just before the lockdown. And uh, it was what? Um, being led in your giving also. It's on the podcast. Listen to that message as part of this message. Listen to it. It's very important. The pastors can get everybody to listen to that message during the course of the week. Listen to it before Wednesday. Listen to it. It's so important to help you, quite to help buffer this particular one I'm talking to you about. What is too big for God? Do you love God? Be ready to give. In Jesus' name. Lift up your hands wherever you are. Start thanking God for his goodness, for his blessings, for his word. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.